Welcome back, Compass Bible Church, to another Compass Equip podcast. This is Pastor Evan, and I'm with Pastor Hayden. Hey guys, good to see ya. And here at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Is that right, Pastor Hayden? That's right, and here's how we do it. By reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything that we do, including this podcast... This one right here. That's right, is to make disciples. We reach people, we teach people, and we train people. All right, Pastor Hayden, you preached on Sunday our second sermon of the a Work in Progress series, but we had our very first Part 1 sermon, Building Godly Lives Part 1 from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13. And let me read that to you guys right now. Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. All right, Pastor Hayden, as a reminder, what was the focus of your sermon this past Sunday? Well, guys, uh, great to see you. Great to be a part of your life in the middle of the week uh, as we're looking into part one of uh, building godly lives. What we need to know is because we're God's chosen people, because God has chosen us, it requires all of us as Christians to build godly lives by living outwardly what God has already accomplished in the Christian's life inwardly. And, and here's what we need to see here. It's the relationship, like we've been talking about, of justification, of God making us right, forgiving us from our sins through Christ, and our uh, responsibility to then grow in Christ and Him to conform us into His image. And, and this is what we talk about. Where is the word grace? Well, here is the word grace. You're given the grace to build a godly life. You're given that uh, because you could have never built that life on your own self-righteousness. So it's the very grace of God that allows us to progress in the sanctification of God. And so for you and me, it is the grace that God gives us that even allows us to build a godly life. And so as we've been talking about over the past couple weeks, and as we really hit hard this past Sunday, let's uh, go forward this week resolved to display the character of God. Uh, excited and, and, and eager and willing to treat others the way that God treats you. Uh, and to really consider God's own forbearance towards you. Because one of the biggest problems that we have in this world is bearing with one another. And uh, we can bear with one another a lot more when we see how much God had to bear with us. You know, I say we're our, our own worst enemy. No one has been worse to you in your life than you have. And uh, if we can understand how much God has uh, had forbeared with us, has the macrothemia, that patience of God, how much he's had patience toward us, uh, we're going to be a lot better at uh, being patient with other people. All right, Pastor Hayden, as we prepare to go through our application questions to get ready, what is something that you want us to do as we go through the application questions to get ready for life group? Something I really want you guys to work on is stay practical. Uh, because you have been uh, given the Spirit of God inside you, because you are justified, if you're a Christian listening to this podcast, uh, that means you have then have the foundation to build a godly life. And what that means is, is you have all the tools, all the things necessary internally to begin building a godly life. And so what we need in our life groups is to stay practical. 
Uh, what you need in your own life is to work hard and thinking through as you're answering these application questions, how can I, what can I do this week? What can I uh, trust in the Spirit to uh, accomplish in my life by doing A, B, and C this week because I have the power of God that lives in me? And also, it's you sharing these so people in your life group can also have these same tools that you're sharing. And maybe people in your group have never uh, have never figured out a way uh, or some particular ways that maybe you're sharing about how you can grow in your relationship with God and in your relationship with others. Like, uh, how can I consider God's forbearance toward me? Uh, what are some things you can do this week to consider the way that God has just dealt with you so kindly in your life and help them say, hey, here's how I can start dealing with other people kindly and be practical. Share ways that you can do it. Maybe testimonies and stories of what you have been able to do because you've understood God's forbearance. How have you been able to also forbear toward other people? Be practical. Now, this also leads us to this reason, well, what if you have non-Christians that you're around? Well, you're right. Uh, telling non-Christians that that they then need to put on all of these things, uh, like uh, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, well, they're going to run into a brick wall, because that's exactly why we need Christ, because works can't save us. We cannot even keep ourselves in in even in any way in a compassionate-hearted, kind-hearted uh humble meekness and with this patience. It's impossible for uh, somebody who isn't bestowed with the Spirit of God in them to do those things. And so we still stay practical. We still say, okay, well, how does one who can't put these things on because they're not a Christian, how do they get put in a position to be able to do those things? Well, it's the gospel. Right? It's by understanding who God is, that he's created the universe, that he's ultimately in charge of, of everything, uh, and God has a purpose for everything and everyone, and he's created everything. He's holy, perfect, and set apart. Uh, he's also a just God, so everything that happens in this world is going to be brought back to its proper place, and everything's going to receive its proper punishment and proper reward. Uh, and God is also loving, which means although he's a just God and everything's going to receive its proper recompense, that he also desires that people not uh, have to sit under his wrath because he desires to save people and bring people out from under that. And that's the, that's the, that's the news, right? That's the bad news. And also the good news is that, uh, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners such as us, that Christ came, he's, he's God in the flesh, and, and we then have a way because of Christ to be saved. And therefore, uh, you and I, uh, as people, can turn from our sins and trust in Christ and his righteousness. You see, stay practical. What do I do? Turn from your sins, trust in Christ, know the gospel, be able to respond to it. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later in this podcast, but what I'm saying, even in your application questions, stay practical, help your people know how to then apply what we are talking about this week. And one way to make sure that we stay practical is to not gloss over information that seems familiar. Of course, I know I need to have a compassionate heart. I know I need to be kind and humble. I get that. No, when you're going through these application questions, look at these these uh, things that God calls us to do to reflect who he is and maybe ask yourself, Am I? do I have a compassionate heart? heart? Have I had a compassionate heart this week? Do I need, am I, have I been humble this week or do I need to be more humble? Another way to think about this is to also reflect on how God was compassionate to you, how God was kind to you, how God was patient with you. And then even taking it further, you can go, who do I need to be patient with this week? Who, who do I need to forgive this week? Who do I? Yeah. And, and also to think through uh, defining these things. So of course, we're familiar with words and we're familiar with biblical concepts. But if I ask you, you may know compassionate, kind, humble, meek, and patient, but can you define it? 
Because if you don't know what it means, how can you be doing them on a consistent basis if you don't even know what it means to do them? Let alone be able to disciple someone else through That's right. it. And so this would be a great week uh, for you to be living this out in your application questions and in your life groups. And I'm excited to be a part of this with you. All right, now it is time for our DBR Spotlight Compass. I'm proud of you. Keep going. We are in the middle of the book of Numbers, also known in the Hebrew as the book of the wanderings. Now, the purpose of Numbers is to show and explain what faithfulness looks like. Now, there's two groups of people that you need to pay attention to. There's the first generation that we see their census, their counting in Numbers chapter 1. And then we're going to be introduced next week into the new generation who's actually going to be going to the promised land. But as a reminder, chapters 1 through 20, is you're, you're going to be reading chapter 20 uh, next Sunday, is that this is the old generation that came from Egypt that witnessed the Exodus, who were a part of the Exodus. They are going to be set aside for their unfaithfulness. And that's the focus for this week. And then the following week will be the new generation that's going to be set apart for their holiness. And that's going to be chapters 20 to 36. And that outline comes from uh, Wearsby's commentary on this section, which is a great resource. But what, what are the concepts that you can think of as you're reading the book of Numbers, specifically chapters 5 to 20, is to remember is faithfulness. Can someone be trusted to fulfill one's promise? We, we have seen that God has been faithful to fulfill his word, to deliver Israel, to make, as he promised Abraham back in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, to make him a great nation. They're a huge nation. They have about over 600,000 men above the age of 20 to go conquer the promised land. And that's just the men. Think, let alone, that's not the, the women and the children. This, so this is a great nation. So God, as you're reading throughout these chapters, you're going to notice uh, God's call for Israel to be faithful. Now you see this in there, the tests for adultery that you're going to read in chapter five and six, the Nazarite vow. You're going to see this in the dedication of the tabernacle, you know, the, the laws of the future sacrifices that Israel is supposed to do in the promised land, the duties of the priests and Levites and their laws of purification. These are for the purpose for Israel to show their faithfulness to follow God's instructions Unlike the nations that live in Canaan at that time, they're unfaithful to God, living a deplorable life, and God saying, no, be holy so that you can be faithful to me and display my faithfulness to the world. But, yeah. as, but as we read throughout these chapters, Abraham's descendants, they utterly and epically fail. I mean, we have about five, actually six different failures of Abraham's descendants, specifically Jacob's descendants. Don't forget, there's Jacob, who became Israel, and there's Esau. We'll get to there in a second. But right away in chapter 5, when Israel's leaving Sinai, they fail. They complain about God's provision for them. So God judges them. People die as a result, but God shows mercy. And the way he shows mercy is giving Moses some 70 elders to help him bear the burden of leadership. But yet Israel is starting to fail some more. What happens next? Moses' sister, Miriam, and his brother Aaron oppose Moses to his face. And Miriam uh, is the leader in this, and she is judged. Why? It's not necessarily because she's opposing Moses. It's because she's opposing God. 
her and Aaron, as they oppose Moses, the reality, they're showing their opposition to God and his plan, and they are judged. She's judged with leprosy, but also shown mercy by eventually a healing that God has for her. And here's a fun fact. She is one of the very few Jewish leprosy healings we see until the New Testament, where Jesus heals people with leprosy. But we'll continue on in Numbers. We see the great failure of the entire nation, despite, uh, uh, except for two uh, faithful men, is the, the nation's rebellion at Kadesh Barnea. This is where uh, the Israelites, as we see in Deuteronomy chapter 1, they wanted to send spies into the land. In uh, Numbers, God agrees, saying, okay, go, send out two men, uh, one person per tribe. And so they send out 12 spies. And they came back and said, the land's great. God is right. But these people there are terrifying. Our kids are going to be slaughtered. Our women are going to be enslaved. This is not going to work out. We have to rebel. So they turn against God. In their opposition, God judges them harshly, which we will get to in a second. But later on in your reading this week, you're going to see Korah's rebellion. Now, who is Korah? He's a descendant of the tribe of Levi. He is not a priest. He's just a Levite. Only descendants of Aaron are going to be priests, but there's many descendants of Levi. And Korah, who uh, the sons of Korah, were not content with their position as just Levites. They wanted to be in higher positions. They didn't recognize the blessing that God had gave them to be able to serve God in the tabernacle. And so they opposed Moses, essentially showing their opposition to God and his plan, and God judges them. And then Moses, unfortunately, towards the end of our reading this week, even Moses fails. Even he disobeys. God told him to speak to the rock and the water would burst forth. Instead, in his anger, he strikes the rock, not trusting in God, and he is too judged. But our reading will end with Edom. Don't forget, these are Esau's descendants, Esau's Jacob's brother, the descendants, Edom, they refuse to let Israel pass, and we will see that God has a judgment. And that's the other concept and theme that you need to pay attention to. God's judgment on unfaithfulness. With Miriam, with Aaron, Korah, Edom, all of them died in the wilderness. And then the great curse, the great one that God wants us to pay attention to is in Numbers 14. He said, the reason... you know." I will show mercy. I will not kill you all right away for rebelling against me at Kadesh Barnea for not trusting me to go to the promised land. What I'm going to do is I'm going to kill you all. A whole generation is going to die in the next 40 years to show the, how unfaithful you are. And those, and those, your kids, your little ones who you thought would become prey to the Canaanites, they will be the ones that will conquer the promised land. In your weakness, I will show you my strength. And for the 40 days that you were out there spying out the land, you will wander for 40 years to know my displeasure for your unfaithfulness. The point that we need to understand in this is that God is just and he hates sin. We see this in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And we see that over and over, the sons of Korah being swallowed up by the earth. Moses eventually going to die in the wilderness. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we see the relationship in the Old Testament between God's desire for faithfulness and then Israel's inability to be faithful by showing their faithlessness. And when we say the wages of sin is death, it's our unfaithfulness towards God. God desires that we be faithful. And what happens is we are unfaithful. And for that, we have the wages of that unfaithfulness, which is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ, who was the ultimately perfect, faithful 
person. And this is why Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, he actually refers to what you and I are going to be reading this week in the book of Numbers. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul says, this is, was written down as an example for us, for written down for our instruction so that we don't think we're prideful. Don't th- As Christians, we don't think we stand lest we fall. As we look at back in Israel going, how dumb can they be? They witnessed the 10 plagues. They witnessed the Red Sea. How can earth, can they rebel against God? Well, you and I, Christian, how can we, who have seen the salvation in our lives and trusted in Christ for our salvation, turn back to sin? So don't think we can fight it without God. So that's why in verse 13, Paul writes, No temptation has overcome you that is common to man. Just like Israel in the wilderness, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide you a way of escape that you might be able to endure it. Israel, he would have given them the strength to endure it if they just trusted in him. As Christians, we have to trust him to fight off our sin. So as verse 14 says, flee from idolatry or apply what Pastor Hayden's sermon said last week. Well, that concludes our DBR spotlight. So that segues right into our special topic, which is going to be about salvation. So Pastor Hayden, what have we prepared for this week's special topic? Well, what we want to do this week is get a good foundation laid for the idea of what is salvation. And so so to understand what salvation is, biblically, what we want to do is look at some key definitions. The first one is salvation. And the word salvation is the deliverance that we have been delivered from the power and the effects of sin. That is, we have been delivered from the power of sin in our daily life to live righteous lives, and also the effects of sin both here and in eternity. That is the separation that we have from a holy God that ends with eternal punishment. And uh, even here in the world that we have the effects of sin uh, in our lives regularly. That was we have infirmities, we have sickness, we have death, we have broken interpersonal relationships, uh, and those things get restored eternally uh, through Christ. And also we have the power now because of the Spirit that lives in us to even reconcile ro- broken relationships that we have now. And so there's salvation. Then you have the word uh, repentance. What does it mean to repent? Well, that re- the word repentance comes from a Greek word, metanoia, and that's a change of mind and a change of action, a commitment to, to do something differently. And Pastor Evan, it comes from a Hebrew word, doesn't it? It comes from a Hebrew term. So when we see repentance, we don't stop at the Greek. We go back to the Old Testament to see what does the Old Testament have to say about the idea of repentance. And it comes from the Hebrew word shub. And that is used over 1,000 times in the Old Testament. And essentially, it's to de- it's describing to be to redirect, as in the Greek to say, an about-faced of your mind and actions. To shub is to return back to God. And a good passage to show this is Ezekiel 14.6. Uh, it says, Therefore, say to the house of Israel, as they were sinning and in idolatry, uh, God commands Ezekiel to tell Israel this, Thus says the Lord, Repent, shub, and turn away, shub, turn away from your idols, and turn away, shub, your faces from all your abominations, from all your sins. There's your word for repentance, and then we also have the word faith in the Greek is the word pistis, which also in the Greek is also translated believe. Uh, and how we say that is just to trust. It's for us to trust. So if we want uh, delivered from the power and effects of sin, we have to turn metanoia. We have to change the mind and the actions of our lives, and we have to change and turn from our sins and to pistis, to trust in Christ and the work uh, that he had done to uh, to allow us the uh, freedom and the deliverance from sin. 
And these are not separate concepts. We don't want to separate repentance and faith. No, it's a one thing that's happening. We repent because we believe, and because we believe, we repent, and it happens at the same time. So don't try to separate the two terms. It's describing the one thing that happens in the believer's life when they understand and recognize who they are before God and what God has offered in mercy, and so they want to take action to get it. Right. And uh, what are we, you know, turning from and turning to, in other words? Uh, well, it's, we know how to do those things because of the gospel. It just preached the gospel above at the beginning of this podcast. I'm not going to continue going over it, but it is the idea that we know those things about God. We know the, the bad news, that we're sinners, and the good news that Christ uh, that came to save sinners. And we know the, the history that, that God created the universe. And therefore, when we know the gospel, we have to respond to the gospel. And that's the response to the gospel, is the idea that we're we're turning from sin and trusting in Christ. Uh, now, what are some common misconceptions that we deal with uh, when it comes to salvation? Well, there's this idea, uh, we would term it easy believism. And, and really, that's just this idea that as uh, when I, I understand the facts of the Bible, I understand that Jesus died. I mean, I know those things. And so uh, one way of people saying that they, they have salvation, it's because they believe and they assent mentally to the facts of Scripture which we have to understand uh, as Christians and have a firm uh, argument against this idea that I can be saved because I simply believe something to be true. I believe a lot of things, uh, and that doesn't mean I live them or affirm them to be parts of how I live as as, as, a, as a person, much less as a believer. And so just to believe some, uh, facts about something doesn't mean that we have responded and make it, made those a uh, part of our lives uh, and as a matter of fact, just because we believe facts about the Bible doesn't mean that we can be Christians. As a, uh, We read the letter of James, and it says that the demons believe and they shudder. That is, they have these facts uh, of the gospel, but it doesn't make them Christians. And something we have to remember, we're not defining belief by what Webster's Dictionary has to say. We're turning to what the Bible is trying to describe to us. What is belief? We see this throughout the New Testament and the Old Testament, just because someone says that oh, I believe that Yahweh is my God, God is going to show you will really believe by your changed heart. And we see that in Ezekiel when the high priest is in the temple and he's worshiping false gods just because he says, yeah, I believe God is you know my God. In reality, he doesn't because his actions reveal that he doesn't at all believe. Just as if you say, you're, if you're married, you've, your spouse says, I love you, but you see that their actions are completely against it. You can say, no, you don't love me. Just because you say that you do, your actions are communicating communicating something completely the opposite. And that's what John 14, 15 says. If you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. Uh, there's so much more here to say, but we can suffice it to say that to have salvation, to receive salvation, means that we need to uh, repent from our sins and trust in Christ. And that's exactly what the New Testament teaches, what's what Christ says in Mark 1.15. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, Acts 20 uh, verses 20 through 21, uh, Paul says this, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. And here's what I did. I testified both to Jews and to Greeks. I, I didn't care who it was. I'm going to preach to everybody uh, of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We see these as necessary parts of what it means to be saved is that we repent and we have faith in Christ. And one more pas pa uh, passage, Pastor Hayden, you wrote down is Titus 1.16. Even though they profess to know God, 
they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So that's why a biblical belief to find what the Bible says is it's more than just a mental assent and agreement. It's a, a you if you actually believe it, you'll actually live it out. That's right. Like you can profess to know God, but you deny him by the way that you live, which is very terrifying to know that we can be people who say we know God, but truly we don't. Matthew 7 is a great example of that. Uh, and Hebrews 5, 9 through 10, just another good example. And being made perfect, we're talking about Christ, he was made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Isn't that, there it is, it's scripture. A good biblical understanding of salvation has a lot to do with the way that we obey. Now, when you say, what do you mean obey faith and faith and, yes, faith alone, uh, in Christ alone, right? Uh, that is grace alone. Yes, uh, when you respond to the gospel, it's obedience. That's the first call to all people in obedience is that we would respond to the gospel. So even to become a Christian is a direct call to obedience, that we would obey him by realizing there were sinners and that we would turn from our sins and trust in Christ. So there really is no Christianity without obedience, because that's how one even becomes a Christian, is by obeying the call of Christ. All right, Pastor Hayden, now with this you know, focus on what the Bible says about belief, what the Bible says about salvation, what are you supposed to do with this information? Well, really, it's by understanding in our own lives, hey, did we respond to this? Do we know the gospel, that God is creator, holy, just, loving, uh, that, that we're sinners and separated from a holy God, and that, that Christ came as, as the perfect sacrifice for us, as the perfect example in this world, uh, and then also, also to have the wrath of God poured out on him on our behalf if we would respond through turning from our sins and trusting in Christ. Did we do that? And that is this. Do I have a testimony? Do I have a testimony in my life where I can articulate uh, like I can with my wife? We were married on May 19th, 2019, there was a day and there was a time where I confessed to my wife my love and commitment toward her, and we got married. Is there a time in your life where you confess and uh, turn from your sins and trust in Christ? Do you have a testimony? And finally, does your life reflect things like we've been talking about this week in putting on as God's chosen ones, holy and loved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience? That is the fruits of the Spirit. Does your life pour forth uh, the fact and the witness that you have been saved internally? Does the outward uh, appearance of your life show people the inward transformation that's taken apart? And what bearing fruit does is it affirms your own faith for yourself, and it also shows people what a truly transformed life looks like so that you could be one of those people who help not confuse the understanding of salvation but clarify it because when people look at your life, they don't say, well, I'll look just like them and I've never turned from my sins in my life. But yet they would look at your life instead and say, my life doesn't look like theirs, so therefore I must not be a Christian. That's how my wife got saved. Her brother turned from his sins, trusted in Christ, and she thought she was a Christian since she was seven years old. And she looked at her brother and she says, my life is not like his. And so I have to realize something in my life, either uh, either uh, I need to become a Christian because I'm not one, or I have to completely negate, negate that his, uh, his complete change had nothing to do with salvation. It had to do with just his personality. And we understand the scripture doesn't teach that. It teaches that we therefore have died and we are a new creation. Behold, uh, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a few resources we have for you, Compass. And so the first one is the the book of First John. It's the Bible itself. That is a great book to either walk through yourself or to walk through someone else who's uncertain. Second Corinthians 13, 5 test, says test your faith. So it's it's fine to do. The book of First John is a great resource to first start to. We want to start with the Bible. But two more resources that will be helpful. They're small and they're short and they're great. Getting It Right by Dr. Mike Fabares, and also How Can I Be Sure I'm a Christian, The Satisfying Certainty of Eternal Life by Don Whitney.
All right, church. Uh, here's some church-wide announcements. A uh, couple real quick. Number one, Compass Women's Breakfast Saturday, February 26th at 10 a.m. at the New Braunfels Civic Center. we got a lot going on that day. It'd be wonderful for you to be there. Don't miss the opportunity to build community with women at Compass and use this event as a perfect opportunity to invite your friends. Also, men, we have a Compass Men's Breakfast Saturday, March 5th, 9 a.m. at the 2415 Lifehouse Building. That's Come right. On. All right, we have a time of fellowship there, breakfast, and a Bible teaching from Pastor Evan on demonstrating wisdom. Also, don't miss this opportunity to build community for your own uh, life and for other men here at our church and use it as an opportunity to invite other people. Evangelism, outreach, let's get out there and invite people to church. Reaching people for Christ. There it is. And also, we have Exploring Compass coming up February 23rd. That is next Wednesday, this coming up Wednesday. Wednesday. Just Yeah, just in two days. So make sure you invite people to be a part of Exploring Compass. If you're listening to this and you've never gone through, we encourage you to register to get to know more about our church and to start serving with us. Only two weeks. Only two-week class. We used to be three, now it's two because we believe we can get it done in two. And finally, I want you guys to be praying for the building. We are just getting on the cusp of entering into this building before Easter, but pray that God would allow us in there to expand our uh, our footprint as a church so that we can be great ambassadors and great evangelists and to have a place that we can uh, headquarter our ministry 24-7. So pray for us. We look forward to seeing you guys again on Sunday, and we pray that you guys would have a great week of gospel proclamation. Mm-hmm.